When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Girl, he reads from these journals he kept when he was a principal. Uncut and uncensored. Putting all his business in the street. The podcast, Ruthless Equity. The name, Ken Williams. I'm really encouraged by the efforts that teachers displayed during putting together their SMART goals. They've all been submitted, and while far from a perfect process, we have taken action. Ready, fire, aim is the name of the game. I visualized over and over the meeting where I unveiled the new data. Improve student learning at every grade level. I visualized confetti falling from the ceiling. I visualized breaking out into an instant school-wide celebration with smoke machines and music. Most of all, I visualized myself being consumed with adrenaline and emotion communicating with fire and brimstone just how certain I was that they could meet and surpass the set goals. I want so badly to fast forward to that day in May. The problem is, there's work to be done between now and then. However, this is the best start this year. The best start in all my four years as a principal. Listen, I have revamped my professional development offerings. You can find them at unfoldthesoul.com. Touch the speaking tab. I've got two new offerings. The first is the three-hour virtual PD experience with me. And then the second is the in-person PD experience. Notice I don't call these presentations or workshops because I don't know. No, but I do know. I've gotten to a point in my career. One, my confidence is at an all-time high. I know equity like no one else. I know how to make it practical, tangible, meaningful. I know I could turn those states around who have foolishly banned equity from uh, any of their policies. I can help districts that have policies around equity, but they're spinning in circles, having conversations that don't lead to any kind of improvement in student learning. I can move your district from PLC light to PLC right. 
because I explain PLCs like no one else. I simplify it. It's authentic. I can take all those moving parts that are swirling around you, all the moving parts and make them make sense. If you are interested in advancing your mission of learning for all, advancing your mission of equity, excellence, and achievement for all students, regardless of background, if you're a fan of ruthless equity and um, want to move your staff or district forward with it, get at a brother now. Go to my site. Go to my page, unfoldthesoul.com. Reminds me of... It reminds me of that book I read. It's called, uh, uh, reminds me of, of nothing, nothing. And I got 950,000, 1100 books behind me right now on this shelf. And some of them are great, but none of them are like Ruthless Equity. Ruthless Equity is a book like no other, explains equity like no other, speaks to you like no other, the coach on your shoulder, the guide on your side, to move you from rhetoric to results regarding your journey with equity. Pick up a copy of Ruthless Equity at Amazon.com. If you are a fan, you've read it, take a minute, please, and leave a review on Amazon.com. Now, back to the podcast. All right, baby, let's get into this. Man, I wish I could have named this like two different titles but i settled on ready fire aim i'm gonna get to that in just a second but i want to start with a word that i referenced i think three times at least three times and maybe four times in that one entry and that was visualize 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 man let me tell you something this applies to you leading any school but it especially applies when you leave in that school. We have in education made a joke of vision, a complete joke. We've, we've bastardized it. We've reduced it to a statement, just like we've done with mission. Mission is so critically important along with vision, but we've reduced both of them into a statement, which to me speaks to the politics of pity uh, the undercurrent message that I get from that is, hey, it sounds good, but, you know, we really don't expect change because this work is impossible. So why really invest in it? But uh, I don't know. My my gut told me I, I, I'm not going to tell you that I, I, I found this out intellectually. I figured this out viscerally. You know, my first principalship was at a school that had plateaued student achievement. You know, what I know now is that there's always urgency, but just keeping it real, there wasn't like the white hot urgency to get better, even though, you know, I was working to get better. When I moved to that school in Atlanta, oh my God. What I realized quickly is we were the, I've said this a hundred times with a hot mess express dysfunction junction. I mean, we were a shit show. And what I realized quickly is the stuff going on around us, the chaos, the negativity, six years of cycle failure, worst school in the district. That's uh, it's tough for the logical side of our brain 
to see past the current circumstance. You know, my therapist would call it you, like you're sitting in the shit every day. Like when you when you're in when you're bathing in survival mode because of circumstance, it is tough to talk about a you know to visualize this compelling future or see it right there in in real time. And I, I knew that I knew I knew that we had to engage in a powerful visioning activity, a process, so as to almost lift our staff out of the day-to-day chaos so they can visualize this compelling future. But let me back up for a moment from there. Before that act of shared vision, I know that the school leader has got to begin by casting their compelling vision. Now, whether this happens at the very beginning of a new leader's tenure, whether it happens at the beginning of the school year or whenever, or or if it happens a day after you listen to this message, it doesn't matter. There's, there are ideal times for it to happen, but it's never a bad day for it to happen. Makes sense. So if in an ideal sense, you're able to do it at the beginning of the school year or at the beginning of your tenure as a principal, that's great. But if you listen to this and have this epiphany and you're like, oh my God, I need to cast a, a compelling vision for my staff. Hell, you can do it tomorrow. It, 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 it doesn't matter when you do it. It's just that it has to be done. It has to be done because it, what a compelling vision does what a compelling vision does one it moves us past our current circumstance two it paints a compelling picture of of our ideal future and again because our profession bastardizes vision we reduce it to a bullshit vision statement that we send up the pike to the district office or whatever or hang it up somewhere in our school it doesn't mean shit but as an entrepreneur I knew I know the power of visioning. I know the power of what you focus on grows. I know what happens when you lock in, lock your sights on a picture you've created. And the thing is about the thing about visual visualizing is it's like agnostic. It's not positive or negative. It just is. So if you focus on something negative, the negativity is going to find you. But what we were talking about doing is focusing on this just this picture of this ideal school we wanted to build. And in this process of getting my people started in the PLC process and getting smart goals done, I mean, there, the fact that we, that I not only cast a compelling leadership vision, but then brought everyone together so they could participate in our shared vision it just gave everything we did context. It gave everything we did context. Because I was one of those principals. I didn't, I didn't want us to do shit because the district said to. I wanted everything we did to be aligned with who we decided we were going to become. And let me also say this. PLC is not a mission. And I'm a PLC zealot. I've said this a uh, hundred times. I've got to sit at the feet of Rick and Becky DeFore, God rest their souls, and Dr. Bob Aker and P- 
people like Anthony Muhammad and Mike Matos and it's look I'm a PLC zealot but PLC is not your mission PLC is not what you get what gets you out of bed what gets you out of bed is your compelling mission and vision the school we said we wanted to become as a leader I'm picturing I'm writing that entry I am picturing our celebration and man, it would be great if I could just flip a switch and we would just like fast forward to May. But that's not how this works. You, you heard me acknowledge it. We got work to do. But I had such a clear picture of how we were going to celebrate and what we were going to celebrate. That. It gives us it gives your staff something to look forward to. It helps with the understanding that visualizing and casting a vision is about painting an ambitious, audacious picture that's bigger than any one of us, but requires all of us. And I'm going to say that again. When the leader's casting a vision, it's got to be bigger than any one of us, but to achieve it, it requires all of us. So step one is that leader casting the, the individual vision because no fourth grade teacher shows up at your school thinking about how to make your entire school great. That teacher's thinking about his or her four walls, uh, perhaps his or her team. You, leader, are the person who has to cast the vision. And that vision's got to be ambitious. And that vision has got to make people think to themselves, shit, this shit sounds crazy, but... Uh, I don't even know how he's going to do it, but uh, I think I want a ticket on that bus. I want to buy a ticket on that bus. That's what your vision's got. to. And, and we have done away with that completely. We've made it formulaic. We've made it compliant. And uh, another any place where we could squeeze another fucking template in, we can't wait. And that's it's part of my problem with these damn books out here that have great intentions i flipped through them it was like shit they're like 450 templates which does nothing but clog the system and that's what vision has become a damn process where we're asking a bunch of bullshit questions vision is visceral vision is visceral at evernorth health services we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And when we developed our shared vision, it was visceral. It became our school's North Star. It became the lens through which all feedback was given. It was the lens through which all celebration was had. It was the lens through which all confrontation took place. 
A compelling vision gives everything you do context. It also is a good uh, litmus, right? And my friend and colleague, Brig Lane, doesn't no one better than casting a compelling vision. And then he used it to evaluate every decision that was made at the school. Every decision. How does it align with our vision? See, that, that, that may sound corny and cliche to you. That's because you don't believe in your own abilities and you don't believe that your teachers have what it takes to change the narrative. See, people like me and Brig, we believe that shit. We believe it. That's why we ask. When, a, when, when visioning is boiled down to a bullshit template and a statement that you send to central office, that's, that's the politics of pity. Pity pretends, power promises. And so... I'm not going to tell you that my teachers jumped out of bed excited to do smart goals, but I can tell you this, they saw it as more they saw it as more than Ken asking us to do something that the district says he has to do. They saw it as more than that. They knew it was part of a grand plan. They knew the PLC process was part of a grand plan. And that's because I cast a compelling leadership vision and then we came together to develop a shared vision. And that gave everything context. And you don't think I shared with them what I was visualizing? The confetti coming down? I shared it with all. I shared it with them. I put our asses on the hot seat saying this is going to happen in May. And it did. Now, I didn't have confetti coming out of the ceilings, but we celebrated like hell. We damn near stopped traffic in the damn streets. You hear what I'm saying? Now, so visualizing and having a compelling shared vision for the school provides context provides a litmus test provides a filter for you to figure out whether what you're talking about doing is aligned or misaligned and the last thing I wanted to touch on oh let me say one more thing about visualization because we had a compelling shared vision while you could come from the outside and come to our school and on our more chaotic days, it feels like survival mode. But survival mode was not a default setting at our school. It was a circumstance. Some days crisis hit and we found ourselves in survival mode. But most schools that are that school live in survival mode every day. And that's because they lack mission and vision. They're not working for anything that's larger than themselves. They don't feel like they're part of a crusade. And that's what I wanted at our school. Gotta be part of a crusade. I've got to see things before my teachers do, and I got to hold that standard long enough for them to get some wins to reinforce what I'm requiring of them. Now, the last thing I want to touch on is this. Act. I mentioned ready, fire, aim. That's everything. One of the problems with our profession at all schools but we can least afford it at that school is that we don't embrace failure as a part of the process. I did a Zoom call with some leaders earlier today and they were asking me what I thought about multi-age classrooms and I told them I don't know shit about multi-age classrooms but here's what I do know. If I were a principal and you as a teacher and an instructional coach came to me with a plan and made a compelling case for how, you know, revamping 
into a multi-age structure is going to move the needle, ensure high levels of learning for all kids, I would back it. I would back us trying it for six weeks and coming back and taking a look at the data. The only thing I would require is this, we gotta stand by the data and be willing to pivot. And here's what I mean by stand by the data. But stand by the data means if it works, great. If we find that it's not a fit for us, I don't wanna hear shit about kids' neighborhoods and their backgrounds and their culture and their race and their language. It's gotta be because of something we did or did not do. That's what I mean by stand by the data, stand by the results. But the bigger, the bigger point I wanna make is our school became a lab. We knew we were not gonna formulaic our way out of being that school. Some of it was gonna be steps, process, but the other half of it is gonna be visceral and gut. And so the best way to get started with that process is to get started, ready, fire, aim. The mistake a lot of schools make, a mistake our systems make is they don't treat schools like lab environments. We talk about mistakes just lead us to success, but you know, we, we still struggle with, hey, I taught it, he didn't learn it. And none of that is about reflection. You gotta take action. There's, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. There are so many damn books on everything. They are resources for everything. It is an easy trap to fall into. It's a form of complacency to research yourself to death. I'm wired differently, naturally. It's just my wiring. I stir shit up. And then when I need more support to keep moving forward or if I hit an obstacle or something like impedes my progress, then I research and read. I've, I've, I treated students the same way. See, most teachers and most schools and most paradigms and most districts, they see an IEP and you have, they, they have broken the kid before the first day of instruction. Like we're already drawing conclusions about a kid because of an IEP. I was never like that. An IEP, I treated IEP like I treated boxes of uh, curricular shit you wanted me to use instead of my own brain and gut. And my friend and colleague, Paula Maker, dropped this on me and I've been using it ever since. Teachers design the learning, everything around them is a resource. So here's how I treated IEPs. Students got an IEP, great. In my mind, that IEP is going on this shelf to be accessed as needed. In the meantime, I'm gonna teach grade level or better and scaffold is appropriate. And if I run into a wall or I hit a point where I'm not breaking through with the student and there's something in that IEP that will help us bridge the gap from where he is to grade level or better, then I go access it. I treat the PLC process the same way. I know PLC is this. What's essential? Did they learn it? What's essential? Did they learn it? And we need to like be surgical about tracking that. Now, if something gets in the way of students mastering content, mastering an essential outcome, and there is a step in the PLC process that will address that, then I go access it. But most schools start by thinking the PLC process is 100% formulaic and then they get bogged down with all the damn templates and never get around to sniffing the finish line, which reduces PLC work to being evaluated by activity. PLC work is evaluated by 
how close are you to 100% of your students mastering grade level or better essential learning outcomes? So my point is, let your actions do your thinking. Don't research first, act, get going. Let your research, let, let your action decide what you need next, not your thinking. And that's the mistake a lot of folks make. They want to research themselves to death and get everything lined up. One, that delays, you know, implementation. Two, nothing is going to inform your next steps better than action. But three, you have to be able to embrace failure. I'm not afraid to take swings. And I know that, you know, at that school, we're not going we're not going to get out of our rut like other schools are. We got to we got to do some shit that's innovative. And so I, I leaned on teachers for that. Get innovative. Try some shit. If it works, what else do you need? I'll go get it. But it all starts with a compelling vision that just puts everybody. It just creates a context for the entire school. And by and large, man, 90% of schools lack it. They talk it, you know, catchphrases and shit on spirit wear and stuff like that. But not to the point where it is driving everything we do. We don't have enough of that. And I'm working on that. I promise you I'm working on that. And we're going to get back to old school leadership, like real leaders that come in and they're talking in ways that make everyone there want to be a part of where we're going. And you can't do that in a culture of pity. And I'm going to stop here before I get on another rant that says you can't communicate a compelling vision if the most if what matters most is you are 47 percent free and reduced lunch and 27% Hispanic and 19% poor and white and 47% black. You can't stand on that shit. That's, that's what's killed visionary leadership. That's why leaders can't cast a vision because you can't stand on demographics. Anyway, man, listen, I'm gonna encourage you to share this podcast with others. Start with the crown, not with the kid. I'm going to bring back a quote that I used to make my students memorize when I was a teacher. And I use it to drive everything I do. I'm going to start ending this podcast this way. It's an excerpt from the poem Will by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. And here it is. There is no chance, no destiny, no fate that will circumvent, hinder, or control the firm resolve of a determined soul. Start with the crown, not with the kid. May the bridges I burn light the way. You've been listening to the Ruthless Equity School Leadership Podcast with Ken Williams. For more information about Ken, visit ruthlessequity.com.